Welcome! You're listening to the Pastor's Class Podcast. Either you couldn't make it to class last weekend, or you're just wanting a refresher on what was taught. This is the place for you. You can also visit our website at pastorsclass.org for any other information you might need. We really do hope this message blesses you and that you leave here with more knowledge of the Word of God in your heart. And again, thank you for listening. Tomorrow, uh, the start of Holy Week, and we're not going to talk actually about tomorrow, but we're going to talk about the original one, Palm Sunday, and we're going to look at the account in the book of Acts, and specifically, I want to talk about that donkey, uh, the donkey that Jesus rode in on that Sunday, that Sabbath day. Uh, we actually, believe it or not, have a lot in common with that donkey. Uh, in fact, the title that I gave to this lesson was, in line with everything else we've done, Be That Donkey. For her to be that church, we're going to be that donkey tonight. And uh, maybe a good time to just ask the question, have you ever thought of yourself as a donkey? Or maybe the biblical term, ass. How about that one? Somebody's saying yes to that. I know I can probably relate. But the donkey in the Bible actually was a big deal. Uh, It's mentioned quite often, and it's talked about in a number of different contexts. uh, From back in the day of Abraham, when Abraham went to uh, offer up his son Isaac as a sacrifice, there was the donkey. Um, When Jacob was trying to make amends with his brother Esau, uh, he gave him a bunch of material goods, and included in that was 30 donkeys. Uh, and in fact, when the brothers of uh, Joseph went into Egypt to get grain because they were starving during the fam- famine, they went there on donkeys. So you could do a whole study about donkeys in the Bible. In fact, they hold a, a distinguishing characteristic in being one of only two animals in the Bible to do what? What would be what, the thing that only a donkey and one other thing in the Bible did? <clears throat> Talk, exactly. We know the serpent in the Garden of Eden, and then, of course, we remember the donkey that talked to Balaam. Remember Balaam? He, was, he had been bribed to go put a curse on the, uh, the nation of Israel, and as he's going to do this, Uh, An angel of the Lord appears in the road, and the donkey that he's on keeps going around the angel, and the angel keeps appearing, and he goes around the angel, and all the while Balaam is beating this donkey, and then finally the donkey's just like, wait a minute, why are you hitting me? I've just done nothing. I've always helped you. Uh, And in fact, the angel then comes down and says, listen, I came here to kill you, Uh, and that donkey is the only thing that saved you. So... I don't know for sure, though, if it was the donkey. Uh, feels a little bit like a miracle to me, uh, a talking donkey. The only time I've seen that is in the movie Shrek. But uh, I believe that it was probably God uh, that saved Balaam that day. But probably no more famous donkey than the one that Jesus rode into uh, Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday. So let's take a look at it. It's in uh, Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 28, the title to my section is the triumphal entry. Luke 19, starting there in verse 28. Jarrett read this a similar passage tonight in church. He said, And when he had said these things, 
Uh, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the moment that is at the mount, I'm sorry, that is called Olivet, he sent two, two of his disciples saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you're untying it, you shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And they were untying the colt. Its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they sat Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And he was drawing near, already on the way down to Mount of Olives. The whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones that cry, would cry out. So my first question in looking at this and talking about this donkey and this central figure, if you will, along with Jesus in this passage is, why a donkey? I mean, why do you think that the donkey is even included in this story? Uh, there's a number of, of reasons, I believe. Anybody got uh, the maybe top one? I know Kelly Foster has it. He's just holding back. <laughs> prophecy. Yeah. Why did they? Uh, why was the? Why was there a donkey even in this story? First is prophecy, right? Zacharias nine nine, uh, where Jared talked about tonight that the king is going to come. He's going to be mounted and and humble on a colt, uh, the foal of a donkey. So first and foremost is prophetic. The Bible said this would happen, so it happened. The second uh, reason, anybody got anything else? Any other reason maybe why we see a donkey? Uh, William? There you go. So one of the things I would say is it's symbolic, symbolic of, of, of the humble servant uh, riding on a donkey. In those days, you know, the, 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 the horse was really the, the sign of war and the strength of man, and really a donkey was a sign of humility and this humble servant. I would add to the list also ceremonial. If you look back over in the Old Testament, you'll see that King David and King Solomon went and were riding at different times on a donkey. But the fourth thing that I would say, uh, in addition to these, is that it's representative. Representative of us and Jesus. And if you, you don't have to guess to figure out which one we are. We are that donkey. And I know some of you are looking at me crazy like, no, no, no. How are we that donkey? And let me just give you a couple of reasons why I would say that. First, when you think about just purity... And how we've been made pure, justified, right, and been made right by Christ and what he did on a cross. Some people, most scholars would say that the reason that this was a, a colt, uh, the baby foal of a donkey uh, that had never been sat on, it says, is to represent purity, almost like the, the Passover lamb. But if you think about it, I mean, when you think about just that young colt, that donkey in and of itself, I don't really, my first thought about a donkey is not purity, 
I mean, even the young cold, it's just, that's not where my mind first goes to. My mind first goes to stubborn. In this situation, one that's never been ridden before, that's unbroken, it's going to be difficult to control. It's going to be hard to ride. It's going to be difficult when the crowds are around. It's going to be maybe a little stubborn. I can think of a lot of things before purity comes to mind. In fact, most of those things that I could use to describe that donkey, I could also use to describe us and me and man and just... Uh, the sinfulness, if you will, and the difficulty of man. And to take it even further, I would ask you uh, to consider this. What would happen that day if this, if this cult, if you will, would have just come into town on its own? I doubt very seriously much would have happened other than probably somebody would be beating that cult into, back into a cage or, or off of the streets, but there certainly wouldn't be people lined up shouting. And my point here is simply this, that it is Jesus that made that cult pure. It is Jesus that gave that cult significance. It is Jesus that made that cult in this moment special. It is Jesus that turned this young cult into a carrier of a king. And Jesus does the same thing for us. He makes us pure in and of ourselves, without Jesus, without Christ living inside of us, without being made right and justified by the blood of Christ. We're, we're nothing but a, a sinful man. That's what the Bible says. Our hearts are wicked and full of deceit. That's what we are. We're sinful by nature. But when Christ comes into our life, when we believe, we're made right. We're made significant. Uh, we're made to be special in the eyes of the Lord. And then I would say that I could carry this even further to give you a second reason, and that is just it. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, when you believe and accept him as your Savior, much like this, this cult, he unties us. He unties us. It talked about, you know, he went and he said, just tell the, the person that owns this cult that, that the Lord has need of it. I mean, isn't it interesting that this guy says nothing about that? I mean, can you imagine if somebody shows up at your house one day and just says, listen, I need your car. I'm going to take your car. And you're like, what, what, why? Well, the Lord has need of it. I'm sure you'd probably call the police. There's just no way you're letting this guy take your car. But for some reason, they don't know these people from Adam that are coming to take away their colt. Why? Because God untied that colt. Just like when you put your faith and trust in him, God unties us, removes the bondage and the baggage and the sin from our lives. Makes us right. Turns us into what? A carrier of a king. Makes us a carrier of Jesus. I mean, I'm always astonished and amazed and humbled when I think about the fact that of all the ways, I mean, just think about all the ways that God could have chosen to take his message, to take the message of Christ, the love of Jesus to the world. I mean, he could have chosen that angel. The angel that came down to Balaam, he could have done this by angels. Think about how, how helpful it would have been or how convincing it would have been if an angel shows up in front of you. He could have used all kinds of means, but I, I find it so humbling and so interesting that he chose us. He chose us to be a carrier. Just like this donkey was a carrier of Jesus to the world, he chose us. To go be a carrier for Jesus. But part of the problem, though, in, in, in assigning us this task and partnering with us to reach the lost is that it often isn't successful. And I could come up with a bunch of reasons as why. Um, mostly it would fall into two buckets. Either we're just not moving 
We're not, we're not actually uh, proceeding forward. We've stopped in the road. We've become that stubborn donkey no matter what God has done and tried to do through us. We're stubborn and we're just stuck there. Or the second thing I could come up with is maybe you are a carrier, but just nobody knows it. Just nobody knows it. You just can't tell. And as I was thinking about this, I started thinking about other carriers and things that you could look to and maybe learn from. And I thought about the carrier of a disease, a disease carrier. And I was interested that when I went to study this, I found that there's actually three types of disease carriers. There is an asymptomatic carrier, and that is a person infected with an infectious disease but displays none of the symptoms. Okay, there's also a genetic carrier. It's a person that has inherited this, um, but also displays no symptoms. And then I came across the one that I hope we are, and that's a symptomatic carrier. And that's someone that's infected with an infectious disease and displays it. So when I think about this and I think about what kind of carrier that I want to be, I want to be this symptomatic carrier donkey. That's really what I want to be. I want to be infected with Christ and I want to display it for everyone to see. And that really is what God, God has called us to do. But when you start thinking about that, then it naturally leads me to, to what I would consider application type questions. Two application type questions. The first one is, how do we display it? How do we display it? And are we displaying it? Those are the two things. Are we an effective symptomatic carrier displaying Jesus for all people to see? And I struggle when I get to like a point like this in a lesson because every week, you know, we kind of stand up here and talk about the different ways that you can show the love of Christ. And we talked about it living with impact last week. And it's sometimes difficult to, to come up with maybe a new way. So I try to go back in all of those instances and just look at Scripture because that's really what I'm commanded to do is to stand up here and communicate to you what God's Word is saying. And when I look at this passage and I think about this whole idea of being infected with Jesus and, a, and displaying that for everyone to see, the first thing I think about displaying is I think that we should be a reflection of Christ. I mean, our, our lives should really reflect Him and reflect His heart. And one of the things that I think is so incredible about Christ, and Jared touched on it a little bit tonight, is just His heart for people and His heart for the lost. I mean, the Bible says in, in 1 Timothy that, that He desires for everyone to be saved and to know Him. He has an incredible heart for people that don't know Jesus, incredible heart for the lost. And you see a glimpse of that even in this passage as you move on from where I ended up into verse 41. You get a sense of, of just his heart for people that are lost. It says there that and when he drew near and saw the city, it says he wept over it, saying, would, you, would that you even you had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. He was sad. He was hurt by the fact that, that his people, the Jewish people, had, had turned away from him. He was weeping just seeing this and recognizing what had taken place. And I think about it from our own lives. And if we really want to be an effective carrier of Christ, a symptomatic carrier infected with Jesus for everybody to see, we've got to be burdened and have this heart for the lost you got to care about people that don't know Jesus. And I say that, and it's, you know, it's real easy for you to just kind of nod your head. Of course I do. Of course I do. But do you? I mean, are you really burdened by people that don't know Christ? I mean, because I promise you, they're all around you. 
Uh, everywhere you go and the people you work with, there's going to be family members, there's friends in your life. There are people that you come in contact with every single day. And I just wonder, are we really burdened by that? Do we weep over that? I mean, I'm asking that to my same self. And sometimes I can get so busy and I just don't even think about what really, really matters. And that is that people that don't know Christ are headed to an eternity of suffering in hell. You know, I was thinking about that uh, even recently when I was reading about the death of Stephen Hawkins. Uh, I'm sure most of you know who Stephen Hawkins is. Uh, anybody not know who Stephen Hawkins is? He was a... Uh, oh, come on, Felix. All right. Well, you're going to learn something tonight. I'm glad you're here, buddy. Uh, Stephen Hawkins, he was a, a world-renowned scientist, if you will, but he was also a world-renowned atheist. Uh, in fact, I could... Uh, I uh, point you to so many things that Stephen Hawkins has done that as a Christian, it would just probably first anger you, but it also should make you very sad. He died recently, had uh, battled ALS for uh, many, many years. And, you know, when I was reading about him, and I read quite a bit uh, over the last you know, couple of weeks about Stephen Hawkins, for some reason I was just interested, mainly because, honestly, my heart hurt for him. Because I thought to myself that, here is this man that spent so much of his life, you know, against God. <clears throat> and then what happened at that moment? What happened at that very moment that it was over? And, I, you know, I read things about him and, and, and things that he had said. And, and you can just see him searching and seeking out God. In fact, it says that uh, one of his quotes was, I wanted to fathom the depths of the universe, seeking to understand where we came from, and why we are here. And then what many people don't know is he really knew the Bible. He grew up and his father made him read the Bible. Uh, in fact, at one point in his life, he tells of an assistant that he had that was a Christian that spent most of their time trying to uh, convert him to a Christian. I said, according to that account, the universe instantaneously expanded from a tiny point into a prototype of what we live in today, a process known as inflation. But the theory also predicted an infinite number of Big Bangs, each creating their own universe, called a multiverse, which presented a mathematical paradox because it is seemingly impossible to measure. And then this one professor, Carlos Frank, says the intriguing idea of Hawkins' paper is that the multiverse left its imprint on the background radiation permeating our universe, and we could measure it with a detector on a spaceship. I mean, it sounds like a sci-fi movie, doesn't it? These ideas offering the breathtaking prospect of finding evidence for the existence of another universe. And I, I mean, when I read that, that's why one of the things that's so funny to me, I love to have uh, debates with people about, you know, just the creator of God, because I, I, I think to myself about the faith it takes to believe that. I mean, think about this. But that's where he had spent his whole life trying to understand. He just could not, in his mind, get past the fact that he couldn't understand. And then in his mind, taking a leap of faith was taking a leap of faith in, on God and not this. But this requires equally as much faith. And then at the end of it, to show you, after all of this groundbreaking um, discovery that he had made, it says, despite the hopeful promise of Hawkins' final work, it also comes with the depressing prediction that ultimately the universe will fade into blackness as stars simply run out of energy. I mean, it may be groundbreaking, but to me, that's very heartbreaking. 
when I read that, it's always the question that he could never answer. And it haunted him, honestly, his whole life, trying to figure out that one single question. And he could just never make the leap of faith to believe it was God. It just proves uh, what I said earlier, that Christ has a heart for the lost. I mean, think about it. It could have taken him out in a second. Could have taken him out at any moment, but instead gave him opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. He just couldn't stand the fact that he, he didn't have that knowledge and he couldn't figure it out. And, you know, again, to me, when I read this and I think about it, it makes me very sad. Uh, and I think that that's the kind of sadness, that's the heart that we have to have if we want to be an effective carrier. You know, if we want to truly, effectively carry Christ into a broken world, we, we must care about that world. You know, so many times it feels like we're fighting against it. Uh, instead, we're fighting against spiritual forces. I mean, I, 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 that has been so present in my life because uh, I've had many a struggles over the last few months. And uh, every time I think that I'm fighting a physical battle, it's just like God speaks directly into me and says, no, this has nothing to do with the physical. You're fighting a spiritual battle. And it's harder <laughs> in some ways. Honestly, I'm better equipped uh, in my flesh uh, to fight that physical. I mean, that's how I lived my whole life. But I've got to surrender to God and let him fight. But you've got to have that brokenness for people. You got to have that heart of compassion. It's a little bit about what we talked about living with tears last week. It's just you got to be broken for the broken if you're ever going to be effective, if it's going to matter. And you know, once you are, and once that that impacts you in a deep way, you'll recognize also that there's Stevens everywhere. I mean, to me, he's just representative of a world that's just seeking for this. You know, I talk about it all the time in here about just. You know, the, the, the world that we live in, one of just stress and complication and the fact that so many people live in a state of anxiety and depression and fear all the time. And it's just, it's just almost overwhelming. And all of those people are just seeking and searching for something. And if, if that something they find isn't Christ, they're going to find it in something else. So it's so important for us to go out and to be this carrier, to, 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 to be this effective symptomatic. That's my new thing is I want to be a symptomatic. I want to be effective with Christ, and I want to go and display that for everybody to see. There's a world out there that's just seeking, uh, that's hurting, that's broken, and that's why it's important that we are effective in our job, in our partnership with God. There's lots of ways that we could do it. I could go through and we could talk about all the things that we've talked about in here before, about living it out. We talked about that last week, about just being consistent in your walk and everything that you do because people are watching. They're watching you and how you act and how you carry yourself. They're watching how you react uh, to the world around you. Um, serve. Uh, love and serve others. I, I loved uh, when my daughter Grace, she did a podcast this week. It was awesome. I loved listening to it and how she talked about loving others is about serving others. And I always uh, think of it that way. We're uh, the two great commandments that love God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love others as you love yourself. You could just replace that word with serve. And it would get you to about the same spot. And then the light, you could also invite you know, another way that we can be uh, a carrier is we can invite. Um, I will tell you that I stand here today because of an invitation. Someone invited me to Prestonwood or I wouldn't be standing up here right now. 
So you can invite. Uh, and the other thing you can do is share. You know, one of the things I want to do, I do this ever so often, and I think it's important. Uh, I hope um, that you are sharing your faith, and I hope that when we talk about it, it becomes easier. Uh, there's lots of ways to share your faith. Uh, you know, being a carrier, sharing your faith, that's right up there at the top of the list of being effective because you're going to have all kinds of opportunities like uh, Teresa had, okay? And you can, you can use a bunch of different techniques. A lot of people will tell you, just share your story. It's one thing that they uh, cannot dispute is your story. They can't argue with it because it's your story. Uh, there's also more formalized things like evangelism explosion that can be very difficult if you don't like memorizing Okay, I've had a number of people that drop out of evangelism explosion because it's just too hard and too complicated. But there's one thing that we've been talking about at the church now for a while that's called three circles. Uh, and I've taught on this a bunch of times. I've shown it a bunch of times. But it's, it's nice to have refreshers. It's nice for me. I enjoyed this past week going back and just studying it a little bit myself. And it's something that just really is easy to apply in every situation, whether it's a high school child, whether it's a person that's knocking down the sign, or whether it was Stephen Hawkins himself. You could use this to do that. And I'm going to intentionally leave off most of the verses because I feel like that just scares people. Uh, makes it more difficult, and you, and you don't really need it. If, if you move from, from this conversation to another conversation, you don't have to worry about knowing it because you know, God was gracious and wrote it down for us. So we get to just read it, the cheat sheet right there. But basically, it's easy to start a conversation with this too because it plays right into to all the brokenness and the anxiety that we live in this world. And people do it a lot of different ways. But I always start over here, and I always talk about it in terms of uh, of brokenness because you can always go to somebody and say you know, listen the world we live in is a tough world full of anxiety and difficulty and hard things and I'm sure in your life teenage young boy uh, you've experienced this you've experienced this brokenness in fact sometimes that circle gets really small because you don't feel like you've got any place to go you've got nothing that that, that you think will make it better and you try all kinds of things. You could, you could put drugs, you could put relationships, you could put money, you can do all kinds of things. And Darren was praying for the guys at the outcry. This would be up there. This would be up there. They, they live in a, in, a, in a state of brokenness so much, and they search for it in all these different things. And, and you know what? This is normal because the Bible actually tells us that this is normal. The Bible tells us that what man has done, they've traded the truth of God for all of this. Instead of worshiping the creator, they worship the created, which means that basically they worship themselves. So that's, this is normal. Okay, this is normal, young child. This is normal, uh, clerk at the store. And this is normal, the person that works next to me in the office. This is normal, family or friend. This happens, okay? This is normal, but this is not what God intended. This is not what God intended. In fact, God intended something much better for us. God's design over here was totally different than this. He didn't design this brokenness. I mean, if you look around you and you see the goodness of the world, well, the Bible talks about that too. It says that, that the heavens declare the glory of God. I mean, just think about the most beautiful sunset that you've seen in your life. Just think about that moment as the greatest thing that you've ever been a part of. That's what God wanted. He, he created us to, to live in peace and in harmony. But what happened is we messed it up. 
We, we, you know, we let sin into this world. We started doing it our own way, and we screwed this whole thing up. And because we did, it led to this. It led to this brokenness that you're experiencing, whoever it is. But the great news about it is, is that God, He loved us so much. He had such a heart for us. He so much compassion for people and compassion for the lost that He just couldn't leave us in this state of brokenness. He had to do something about it. What did he do? Great time to talk about it right now. He sent his son to the earth to live a perfect, sinless life, to die on a cross and to be resurrected on the third day. He sent us Jesus. He sent us Jesus to, to take us away from this, to get us out of this. And how do we do it? How do we get from this back over to there? How do we bridge this gap? You just got to believe. You got to believe. The Bible says and tells us that, that if you will confess your sins, if you'll acknowledge to God that you're a sinner and that you'll, you don't want this, if you'll say, God, I don't want this, I want that, the Bible says that God is faithful and just to forgive you of those sins. And then if, you will, if you'll just confess and believe this, if you'll confess and you'll speak and you'll believe in that, that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, then the Bible says that you will be saved. And guess what? Then you get to be restored back to this. That's when restoration takes place. And you can no longer live in this state of brokenness, but you can be reconciled to God because of what Jesus did. Then you can move on to being a carrier. You can be a carrier and you can go back over here and do the same thing. Very simple, right? A simple way to share your faith. Tell people about Christ. And you can... Imagine the conversations that can come out of this. I mean, that's one of the reasons I gave you the two sheets is because you can talk a lot about this, about brokenness and why. You can talk a lot about sin, the fact that the wages of sin are death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You can talk about God's perfect design. You can go back and take them through the story of the Bible, which is just a story of love and God's rescue plan for everybody and then you can talk a lot about Christ you can talk about the fact that that God actually uh, beforehand created us for good works he didn't create us to live over here he created us to live over there just one of the things that we can do if we're an effective carrier if we're living it out displaying the love of God and listen here's the thing about it is you know the will of God will not be stopped just because of us. Okay? Even here, it's interesting, right? What did the Pharisees tell him? He said, rebuke your disciples. Basically, tell them to shut up, basically. And what did he say? Well, I can do it. But I'll tell you, even the rocks, even the stones will cry out. What does he mean by that? You're not going to stop this. Okay? You're not going to stop my will from being done. But isn't it exciting at the same time, about the opportunity that we have to partner with the Almighty God, the Creator God, the God that spoke the world into existence. I mean, isn't it just an amazing opportunity that we get to partner with Him to take Christ to the world, to be a carrier, to be a symptomatic carrier, infected with Jesus, displaying it for everyone to see. And you know what? We got one up on that donkey. Because for us, we get to be a carrier for a risen King. 
Because a week later, at the end of this, we know what happens, right? Christ is risen from the dead. And I love, uh, if you look over in Mark, I think it's in chapter 16, it says that when they went to the tomb, they said, okay, don't be alarmed. Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, he's not here. He's risen. Isn't that awesome? He's not here. He's not in that grave. He's out. He's living. He's living inside of us. He, we're carrying him, the Holy Spirit, God, inside of us to a world. And I, I know for my own self, I do not want to miss the opportunity to be an effective carrier for Christ. I want to be that donkey. That's who I want to be. I want to carry a king into a broken world. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for, for Jesus. Thank you, God, that... You cared enough about us to send your son to die on a cross uh, so that we might have eternal life, God. And I pray, Lord, that for each and every one of us, Lord, you would break our hearts for those that are broken around us. Lord, I pray that you just give us a heart for those that don't know you. And God, I pray that as we live our life and everything that we do, God, I pray that, uh, Lord, it would be with a view of taking you uh, to that broken world. Uh, Lord, allow us to live it out. And all that we do to serve and to love well, to invite, and God, not to forget to share, to tell people about this good news that we've all been blessed to receive. Lord, I pray for this class. I pray for each person in here, Lord. I know there's many needs in this class, Lord. I know that there are those dealing with sickness and with conflict and with financial issues and with big decisions uh, and with struggles and with uh, demons, Lord, and with uh, strongholds, Lord. I know, God, that across this class, uh, people are, Lord, hurting. Uh, so, God, I pray for each and every one of my brothers and sisters, Lord. I pray, God, that your amazing uh, love and peace will follow them, Lord, will cover their lives, Lord. I pray for uh, great blessing, uh, and I pray, God, for protection and for healing. In Jesus' name, amen.